Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. This week, we're taking a deeper dive into the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25. We've been following something in worship called the Narrative Lectionary, and it really seems like, as we've been going through the Narrative Lectionary, they are trying to choose all of the hardest passages in any given area of the Gospel of Matthew. So, Pastor Dina, as we went over this on Sunday, what were some of the the main things, the the main takeaways that you heard in in this week's passage and message? I think one of the biggest ones is that the kingdom is going to come. Jesus is going to come back, and there's nothing we can do about it, for better and for worse. Um, and, And so be waiting for that. Be anxious for that. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of of your job in the midst of that, the way that the the bridesmaids who weren't prepared did. Um, and and there's an incredible amount of faith that's bound up in that as we prepare and plan and and work. On one hand, it can be easy to fall into the trap of, you know, what's this even for? Anyway, if Jesus is going to come back, why am I even doing all these things, trying to work for the kingdom, trying to be faithful? But at the same time, not knowing the day or hour, we don't know when that is going to be. And so our job, our one job is to be faithful in the waiting, in the preparation, in the in-between time, which can be a hard thing. It's really hard. Um, <laughs> but... But that's that's that call to faith and humility and and patience and gratitude all in the midst of this waiting and not knowing the significance of what we do, how we work out our faith, how we live out our faith here and now as we wait, hoping for something greater. You know, this passage is a great example of the already not yet tension that we see. Throughout the gospel, Jesus conquered sin and death already, but we still have to wait for the final, for the finale, for the um, complete vanquishing of sin and death and all the things that still plague us today. It's almost like uh, sitting in a waiting room and saying, all right, what should I be doing here? Yeah, yeah. Any minute or it still could be four hours. I don't know. And and that uncertainty is a lot sometimes, too, especially in light of some of the big things that we're called to do to make disciples. I think it, it can, like I said, it can lead to sort of a laziness on one side. Well, what am I even doing anyway if Jesus is coming back? And it can also lead to incredible anxiety. Oh, my gosh, Jesus might come back. I have yeah. all this to do, and I'm not going to be able to do it all faithfully. Ah. I remember when we were first, um, when Katie and I were first in Rock Island, and we bought our first home, and uh, relating to your waiting idea, we actually, we struggled with the concept of what do we upgrade in our house, and what do we let go, because we have no idea how long we're going to be here, Mm -hmm. Um, and we had looked at different things, and uh, you know, things like uh, putting solar, we had a great south-facing roof, and things like putting solar, we're like, I don't know if we're actually going to be here long enough. Who knows? Um, and there were some things like as, as silly as, 
do I get a gas stove? (laughs) (laughs) You know, how long am I going to get to enjoy this? And it's hard. Like you're saying, it's really hard when there's an, when there's an open-endedness to the back of it Mm -hmm. where you're going, what, what do I do? Yeah. You can see how in light of that. And of course the old Testament authors didn't have the insight that we do, but we can we can understand like meaningless everything is meaningless like what <laughs> what is going on even um as we wait as we we work out our faith w- using workout in the best sense not in a works righteousness sense and we'll you know that is that's also a risk of these kinds of passages thinking that we have to do all these things that um that we have to be prepared be watchful don't be caught sleeping it reminds me of when I was younger and during the summer, my mom would leave a list of chores to do while she okay. was at work for my sister and I. And, you know, all morning long, we would do whatever we did, watch TV and um, read and whatever, whatever we were doing. And then we'd hear the garage door and think, oh, no, the dishwasher. Oh, no, the vacuum. Oh, no, I wasn't ready. This passage reminds me of that feeling of, oh, I wasn't I got caught off guard I got caught unprepared and so it can which I think can lead us into anxiety and and that sense that I have to work extra hard and if I just work harder then everything will be okay but without any sort of goal or endpoint in mind we always just have to work harder if I'm working here now I need to be working three steps more than that I'm working three steps more than that oh but three steps more seems even better yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I assume if the, the dishes weren't done and it was on the list, it wasn't like, Oh, welcome to the kingdom, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we have that fear where, where we're going to, you know, did I do quite enough to get the scales to balance in my favor? And that's, mm-hmm. that's a very real. So, so you said the kingdom is coming. Um, what else <clears throat> were there other things? Uh, and I, if you heard the sermon from Sunday, you, you know that I'm struggling with a little bit of, of, of a cough here. So I apologize. Was it, were there other key ideas that you wanted to highlight? I think it's kind of the flip side of that is that that just showing up isn't enough. Those bridesmaids that were unprepared were there. They were where they were supposed to be, but they they put no care into it. And and we talked through this passage in Sunday school too. And I think my temptation is often to read like ditzy kind of foolish flighty flighty bridesmaids into this but they knew what was expected of them and they had the means to get what they needed so much like the the man who showed up uh not dressed appropriately for the wedding this was an intentional choice to not be prepared to not plan ahead to not focus on what needed to be done and they put their own needs and desires and thoughts above what was being asked of them in that moment. Yeah, and and you know, as a, a reminder there that the, they their their job was to make to make a grand entrance for the bride and groom. And you know, if your torch goes out halfway, if your light goes out halfway, that it's not quite a grand entrance. Yeah, it's kind of anticlimactic right there. So. Uh, anything else on that? I don't think so. 
I think that that covers most of what I took as as key takeaways. I know we'll we'll talk applications in a bit, but I think those are the two things um, that showing up isn't enough, but also working super hard isn't the right response yeah. either. Yeah. So this was this was a hard one again to to go through as I was going as I was preparing for the sermon. There was so much that I'm like, ah, how do I preach? How do I effectively get all these cultural items through without having to to without taking four hours? Because mm-hmm. you know I'm sitting there reading commentaries and I'm thinking, oh my goodness! Like, unfortunately, it was all the cultural stuff was pretty was pretty common to all the uh, commentaries, but some of it was you know this idea of a a, a wedding where you have this torch entrance and. You know, it's a seven-day uh, wedding banquet and, and negotiations, and and how does this all come together to form a cohesive idea? Yeah, this is one of the places in Scripture where it feels like we just don't have anything even remotely parallel to compare it to. That that we just don't understand all of the the cultural significance of all of these things. Yeah. So as you might imagine, I had a few things that hit the cutting room floor. Yeah. Um, and so um, I, I do go through quite a bit of the cultural stuff in the actual sermon, but there are two things that I want to highlight in particular. Um, one is that at one point the, the bridegroom goes into the wedding banquet and then shuts the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, okay, you have this idea. It's a seven day um, wedding banquet you know, it's a whole community thing. People are coming or going. There's food. There's wine. Um, and so it, it it was really kind of an open event. And so you wouldn't shut and lock the door um, because the, the word there means really to, to lock or to bar mm. the door. You know, we get the translation that, you know, they shut the door. Um, it was barred. It was locked. And so that isn't something that would have been common in that situation because you want to let guests come and go mm-hmm. and, and tend to things. Um, and so really Jesus was making a point there through that, that part of the parable that, that this bridegroom is being very intentional, must've seen the, the, the foolish virgins coming, the foolish uh, bridesmaids coming and, and closes and locks the door intentionally in their face and then says, I don't know you. Um, it, and it's, in some ways, a, a response to their behavior, which was, as you said, you know, a choice to be concerned about their own welfare as, you know, this would have been an opportunity for them to mix with, you know, other families and for families to make potential matches and, you know, all the, the just kind of politics of, of interfamily uh, relations in that day. Um, and, and basically saying, listen, you chose to make this about yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you're no longer welcome to, to this event, this celebration. Yeah. So, so that, that shutting of the door, that locking of the door was, it was one of the things that, that hit the cutting room floor. Um, because it, you know, it's, it's an important idea and it really adds to the idea that, wow, this is, this is an exclusion. This isn't just like, Oh, sorry. I can't tell who that is out there. Uh, you know, you don't have your torch on, um, but that, um, it's, it's the, the bridegroom really making a point that you screwed up. Um, there is, you know, you had one job, you failed at it. 
you are disinvited, uh, which is a hard thing. And I think you have some yeah. notes on that. <laughs> yeah. As, as we were thinking through this, thinking what, what the sticking points are, what the, the things that we don't understand or the things that just make us uncomfortable. And, and these Lenten passages have all kind of had something in it because that, that shutting of the door is a hard thing to reckon with, especially when we, we focus so much on God's grace and the invitation to all. I mean, like, like last week's passage, all are invited or many are invited. Um, but the, this to me parallels the second part of that, but few accept or few are chosen. T- that idea of the door slamming shut, I just, I just don't like it. I understand it cognitively why that that grace without cost is cheap and and meaningless like the participation trophy what does it mean if there's nothing asked of you in the midst of it but it's still an uncomfortable thing to think about and and something that I just don't think I for me I don't think my heart will ever find peace with it this side of heaven even if I understand it on some level that that makes sense and of course we we live in a context where where churches are scrambling um to put welcome on their doors mm-hmm. you know we're we're in a position where you know churches are well, how do we how do we welcome more people in and it's and it's not just on the side of like um uh, it's not just on the side of inclusivity it's on mm-hmm. the side of you know how do we let people know that they're welcome to come in here and we and, want them here. Yeah, we want them here. Um, and, uh, and so there's, there's this great emphasis on being welcoming. Uh, no one wants to be the unwelcoming church in town. Yeah. Um, and so, but on the other side of that, so on the, on the other side of, of grace always has to be justice. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's part of what we struggle with. And, and fortunately we're not God. Yeah, so we don't, thank goodness. We, yeah. So we don't ultimately have to struggle with the, with the question of justice and judgment. Um, because, you know, in a, in a logical sense, you know, if we were to have the grace of God, but no justice, no judgment, no reckoning, um, you know, how do we make sense of right and wrong, both in this world and ultimately? Yeah. And I think that's the part that my brain understands but it's still it's a an hard, uncomfortable truth. It's a hard emotional reality. Yeah. Because it very in a very real sense, those could be people we know and love or, you know, the, the perpetual fear is that it could be ourselves. Yeah. Um, and so, but that, that's the thing. You know, it, it, we're caught between a rock and a hard place on that emotionally because if there's no, if there's no judgment, no justice, mm-hmm. if there's no reckoning, how do we deal with the evil in the world? Yeah. How do we deal, you know, in looking historically, you know, the big things, how do we deal with um, World War II? How do we deal with famine? How do we deal with world poverty? Um, mm-hmm. How do you deal with a situation like Russia right now? Um, yeah. If there's no ultimate right or wrong, if there's no ultimate judgment, judgment and justice, what do we do with that? On the other side of that is, if there is judgment, how do we reckon with the idea that some are going to fall short? Yeah. Um, you know, we wouldn't expect social promotion from a righteous God. Yeah. 
And so that's, it's, it's a hard, you know, it's kind of a hard, it's not that it's hard one direction. It's hard both directions yeah. then. And then, and then the, the correlation then of how forgiveness and grace and the redemption that Jesus offers plays into all that and how in, in my head, at least it's just hard to sort all those things out. The justice, the grace, the, especially if you're a linear thinker or kind of a concrete thinker, they're all so mushed together <laughs> and there's not a really clear, you know, it'd be, it'd, it'd be nice if Jesus would have laid out the door will be shut. If you, this, 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 and yeah. this, or, you know, the invitation will be given to everybody, but you're going to be excluded if these things, or if you don't do these things, but it's not that clear. And it kind of leaves us in this. I think that's why it's so easy to fall into works righteousness yes. because we default to, if I just try harder, if I just try my best, if I just work and work and work, then certainly God's going to honor that. Right. Yeah, it, that, absolutely. The, the, the kind of that, that we need something concrete to, you know, Jesus, Jesus, uh, says uh, to, you're reminding me of when he's talking to the young rich ruler mm -hmm. and you know, he, the young rich ruler just says that I've, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Yeah. What more do I need to add to the le list? Yeah. I'm good. Right. I'm good. God. Yeah. Right. And, and Jesus, you know, most of the time we focus on the fact that, that he had wealth. Um, but there was another thing that Jesus wanted him to do, which is come follow me, mm -hmm. which doesn't usually involve a list that's yeah you know jesus moves around and the disciples have trouble keeping up with him at times in fact go searching for him a couple yeah. times in the gospels um and it's hard to follow someone it's much harder to follow someone it, than it is to tick boxes mm -hmm. on a list and so our brains want that that concreteness and jesus is just not there no. he's squirrely sometimes yeah he is so so yeah, that so that um, you know, uh, shutting the door was one of the things that that made the 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 floor. The other idea was this this idea that there's some personal responsibility um, uh, cooped up in this in this uh, passage as well. And the, the Sunday school actually hit it really well. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so uh, one of the things that I said in the sermon, you know, the fact that you can't make much of God. Uh, and make much of yourself at the same time, or make much of yourself and make much of God. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's kind of, you know, the one thing God doesn't share in the, in scripture is his glory. He never shares his glory with anyone. Yeah. Um, and so th this idea that you can't actually go in to the wedding banquet on the coattails of someone else, mm -hmm. um, which is a. Yeah, that's another kind of hard thing to think the unprepared bridesmaids said, Hey, to the prepared bridesmaids, Hey, can you help us out? Can you share? And they're like, no, <laughs> Nope. And it seems so harsh, especially in light of the teaching that's coming, Matthew 25, where Jesus said, you know, serve me. So the, when you, when you serve the, the marginalized and the, the poor that you're serving me in yep. other places, Jesus said, you know, if you have two tunics, give away one. Jesus clearly says in the Sermon on the Mount, don't store up things for the future. <laughs> and yet these bridesmaids are being praised for doing that. And it's like, what are you doing, Jesus? I don't know what to do now. Um, but when you think about 
when you think about the idea that that you that someone else's work isn't going to have any impact on you and your relationship with God and and that to me reminds me of the parables of the workers in the vineyard you know you worry about you let everyone else worry about everyone else you just focus on what you're supposed to be doing and and your relationship oh my goodness how much better would the world be if we all just kind of focused on ourselves instead of constantly pointed out all the things that everyone else gets wrong um at least according to our estimation <laughs> the gospel according to me yeah yeah which is a great gospel yeah me, yeah but. although sadly i don't even live up to that one <laughs> true true <laughs> So, yeah, so this I this idea that they can't get in, like, they have to have enough for themselves at mm-hmm. the end so that they can make this grand entrance for, not for themselves, but for before the, the bride and the bridegroom, um, which, and, and another thing that hit the floor is that, you know, this this parable is a minor allegory. Mm-hmm. And so the, the bridegroom is quite obviously uh, Jesus. Uh, the bride is uh, most likely the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some th- story elements that just kind of move the, if you try to heavily or allegorize this one, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. It, it is mind bending. And so some things are just there to, to move the plot forward. Um, but, um, you know, and, and so the making much a, of God, making much a, of Jesus it, it is the work. And if they had shared any of that, um, any of that oil, they would have flamed out. They would not have had enough to sustain themselves mm-hmm. and to sustain uh, the other person through to the banquet. Um, and so those are, you know, and it's funny because we even have um, we even have those examples in um, in everyday life. Well, not everyday life because I'm not on an airplane every day. But uh, you know, if you've ever flown, they tell you put your own mask on first, yeah. then help the person next to you. Um, because if you don't get your own mask on, you ain't helping anyone else. Yeah. So we do have examples of even that. And, and I hear you on that. It's, it, you know, it's, it's understandable how we get so confused at times. Mm-hmm. Like which part of the gospel do I follow now? Jesus, Yeah. is this an issue where I need to keep this to, you know, make sure I'm okay. Or is this an issue where I need to be looking out for the other? Yeah. Yeah, but which which one do you want me to be today, Jesus? The one who's worried about me or the one who serves the sheep? What, yeah. Like, where where do I go today? And, and it's understandable then how we get different theological camps mm-hmm. because they're both in there. Yeah. Um, and so both are right to a point. Yeah. And then, you know, then, you know, you make too much of one side and it becomes heresy yeah. by omission. Yeah, like humans do. We take everything too far because likely both are true serve other people but out of out of concern for your relationship with god not out of concern about what everyone else will think or what you feel like you're obligated to do that this this personal relationship this taking care of of your own needs goes hand in hand with with serving other people as well but but it's a it's a hard and weird thing and again for the linear thinkers for the concrete thinkers it it's 
a tough thing to wrap your brain around. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So those were the things that, that kind of didn't make it into the sermon. Um, you know, we talked about some confusions there, some sticking points. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was, this was a sermon that, that this was a passage that easily could have many, many confusions. In yeah. it. And, and I'd recommend people sit with it a number of times to, to get those ideas, those ideas straight. I know I had to. Mm-hmm. And that's never a bad thing. And like some of the other passages, sometimes on first read, it's so surface that we do a disservice to ourselves. We can say, okay, be prepared when Jesus comes. Don't be caught sleeping. Great. Done. But the more we dig and we realize motivations and the and the honor and obligation that was bound up in that and the the shutting of the door, the the longer you sit and reckon with it, the less in some ways the less clear it becomes, the less simple it becomes. But I have a feeling that's what the spirit wants of our reading of scripture, not just to to be able to write recite the story and the the second grade Sunday school Jesus point good. of it. Sinbad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that's what we need, but Absolutely. A life of of faith, a life that's growing, I think can grapple with all these things and can acknowledge like, oh, it's not as clear cut as maybe the first reading might be. Sure. I mean, it, I mean, you think about your your diet and and every once in a while it's fine to go with a really simple meal, like it's something that just I'm busy, I just need to get myself through, but after a while you start missing nutrients mm-hmm. and you know, you can't sustain that. And so you, you need the complexity, you need the, the, the richness yeah. of a, of a full meal. And that's a, you know, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the other ways I, I know a number of times that I've read things in the scriptures where I'll read it and I'll be like, I'll be sitting there for devotional time and I'll read it and I'll be like, well, that was interesting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Close the book. <laughs> like, all right, I did that. Check. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the other side of it, where it's just like, okay, I did it. No idea what it means. Don't know how it applies, but I did it. Thanks, God. Yeah, a- and and that's also not a healthy thing to do. Yeah, I think sometimes when we when we write scripture off as a story from two thousand years ago, and we don't really understand wedding culture from two thousand years ago now, so nice story, Jesus, great. When we write it off as too confusing or too simplistic that's i think what leads us into into questions and struggle you know if it's too simplistic that it almost to me lends to the health and wellness gospel like just just believe the right things and and everything will fall into place for you except when they don't and then where do you go Mm. if everything is so simplistic and so black and white then where do you go when things get real? But if if you haven't spent time trying to reckon with this crazy historical document, then when things get tough, you have no idea where to go. Yeah. Um, you you have to you have to have the muscle memory mm-hmm. in, in order for those. In order to ha- for it to be useful in the difficult times, um, and so the the good times or the 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 normal times, the ordinary times, to use a theological term, there, 
uh, are the times to be practicing so that when the extraordinary times come, uh, that 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 muscle is built and ready to go. Yeah. Otherwise, we default to just kind of what we know. Yeah. And I think when we acknowledge the sticking points, when we acknowledge the the things that make us uncomfortable in scriptures, the things we don't understand, the things that don't fall into a, a nice little story with a beginning, middle, and end where everything is wrapped up with a bow. When we acknowledge those struggles, then it makes it easier when we're struggling and we feel less alone in that. We feel, I, I know that's been true for me. If you expect everything to line up nicely and be packaged pretty and make perfect sense, then when when you encounter things in life, and we all do, that don't make sense, when we encounter suffering, when we encounter evil, it can really, it can spin us out of control. But I think if we have a, a, a view of scripture and a view of the work of the spirit that that is grace sometimes and isn't always easy to understand, then it makes the times when our lives are in that similar kind of tailspin a little easier to endure. Especially when we realize, like the wedding, that this life isn't all there is. Um, For and sure. sometimes that's just where where I have to land like oh my goodness I don't understand any of this and this is really hard thank goodness there's something more than this even if I can't see it right now even if I'm not experiencing it right now even if I have no idea how all this is going to work out yeah yeah and, and that's where the trust trust in the I think in some ways in the judgment actually comes through too um because you know when when um uh, when Samuel was looking for the next king of, uh, or for the the next king of of Israel, um, and uh, God said, you know, I don't look at what man looks at; I, I look to the heart. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the the David's brothers who are are big and strapping and more king like aren't the ones who who get it. And so we can trust that you know the the bridegroom in this story was looking and could tell that that in their hearts these five these five bridesmaids were never really living for anything other than themselves mm -hmm. um and whereas the the other five maybe they weren't perfect you know mm -hmm. we're, we're not, the story isn't that they're perfect yeah but they are living to fulfill their life for the glory of of the bridegroom mm-hmm and, and so no matter what that looked like, no matter how imperfect it was, no matter how flawed it was, they were still taken in because at the end they made much of the wedding party. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's comforting. Um, you know, I don't think we, I don't think we've ever talked in any of the, the preparations about the fact that the, the five weren't perfect. Yeah. Nowhere is that an allegory for a perfect life. Yeah. And so often that's what we reduce it to. Be like these ones. Don't be like those ones. Done. Right. You know. and, and so we, we're we not looking at the fact that 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 really it's probably the ones that, that are excluded that really had no intention, mm -hmm. no thought towards anything other than themselves. Um, and so if we come and we were worried, you know, oh, what if I'm not... What if I'm going to be caught sleeping when the bridegroom? Comes? Yeah, exactly. Then probably we're not, 
where those five were. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so you know, and that can be some further application and for some further understanding uh, of this text. So both of us are Presbyterians, mm-hmm. lifelong Presbyterians. Yeah. And, um, and so you can send your sympathy cards to the office. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the circles that I've gone around in, in the Presbyterian world, it's always very interesting to hear people at new churches uh, talk about, you know, I'm so-and-so and my great-great-grandparents built this and were elders for 400 years and, yeah. you know, knew John Knox and, you know, yeah. tailored John Calvin's clothes or whatever it is. Yeah. And so it's very interesting as I read this uh, and thought about the personal responsibility aspect of it, mm-hmm. the fact that I was like, ooh, that whole family, theological family pedigree chart it doesn't mean anything. And I'm <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I'm sure that I mean, I'm I'm convinced that that's what Paul had in mind too when he said, you know, your laws, your obedience, it means nothing. Everything you've done, everything just being a part of the right lineage, just showing up like the bridesmaids, just showing up isn't enough. You can't just say, "Hey, I was invited to be a part of the bridal party. Good. I'm 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 here. I did it." Like the guy last week just showing up at the wedding isn't enough. There has to be intention. There has to be devotion behind that and and a genuine effort to do what what is being asked of you. That and so many times we wanna we wanna skirt in on the coattails and just show mm-hmm. that by association we have this. Um, and it does two things, I think. One, as so, as someone who's younger, and as and as someone who, um, I think my family was in the same church. I think I was the third generation in that church. Okay. Although grandmother grew up as a, you know, there's United Methodist in my history, and grandmother was a, a covenanter, oh. which is a, you know a specific <laughs> form of Presbyterian. Um, and so you can get into the big. Presbyterian we're not going <laughs> to yeah. do that um but uh, you know and and I've moved around because of because of uh being a pastor and because Katie and I have gone to different places and we've gone to schooling and we've had jobs in different places and so I was never settled so one thing it you know it gives a sol- sense of false pride but on the other hand it creates kind of a a sense of inadequacy mm-hmm. for those of us who are like, well, I've been here for a grand total of seven months. Thanks. Yeah. It, it kind of, again, goes back to the parables of the workers in the vineyard that some don't just don't have that history for whatever reason. And in the end, it doesn't matter. You know, if you don't have that history because your family moved around and what, you know, came from, 72 different churches instead of one church your whole <laughs> your you know your whole genealogy through or if you came to faith later in life whether that's chronological age or 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 not that that history isn't what saves us that that our family family ties the the being a part of the right group isn't it's wonderful in some ways, but it's not it's not what salvation and and faith and 
redemption or built on or based on. And the reality is God has been faithful to us far longer yeah. than we have ever been faithful to him. And so, you know, we forget in those moments, we, you know, it's this point of pride to ourselves. And, and once again, any glory that's to be had is supposed to be mm-hmm. directed towards God anyway. It's not, look at how long, you know, we've been here, but it is, it is, um, you know, it's look at how long God has been present in my family's history. Yeah. And I think this church, um, the church that we're serving is just over 40 years old. And there has been a very intentional policy, because that's how we roll, in place that we will not put plaques on things. And and I think it's an effort to prevent that. And we still do it in our brains. You know, my family built this church. My family built this mission. I come from this long line of people who served in this way. It, it's... And... It is so much like the world around us, too, because when you take it out of the church, how often we hear, you know, my great grandfather built this company and and (laughs) I come from a long line of teachers or whatever. We constantly look to our history as kind of validation for who we are. I'm laughing because I lived in New England. Yeah. And if you had not, if your family hasn't lived there for the past 400 years, they can sniff it out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that is one of the criticisms of the Presbyterian Church that I have heard. I don't think our, my, our particular congregation, but I've heard people say, "Like, man, I'm only the second generation Presbyterian. I feel like I'm a baby. You know, I, yeah. I, um, I shouldn't still feel like an outsider. Twelve years in, but here I am feeling like an outsider because I don't have this amount of experience." And, and I think it goes to to show that in this in this text, you know, we we need to 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 be wary of that, mm-hmm. and, and we've got to cultivate an attitude that, you know, we want to encourage each other to personally get over the re, the the finish line, giving glory to God. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul talked in Philippians, and I had this written down in my notes for the sermon. Another thing that didn't make it, but you know, in Philippians three, he says, you know, if anyone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. In other words, he's saying, I got all the cred. Yeah. I, I got all the cred. And, and then in the next verse, he, in the next breath, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Yeah. And again, that rubs so opposite of how our contemporary culture and the historical cultures operate that that so much of advancement is based on on relationships and nepotism and and politics and who knows who and who can get you an in and um it's not what you know it's who you know right and that sense of of privilege almost maybe a little different than we've we've been using that word lately but but also not that far off right from it we we rely on the the opportunities that have been handed to us and assume that that those are what will move us ahead and and in this passage with the bridesmaid saying no I'm not sharing my oil you're responsible for you 
it's as if Jesus is saying, it's not, it's not who, you know, it's, it's your relationship with me and that's it. It's the way you relate to the bridegroom and not the way the bridesmaid to the left or to the right of you relates to the bridegroom. It's you. Are you prepared? Have you done what is being asked? Have you made an effort? Is your heart right? Um, and I think, I'd like to think that God honors the intentions of our hearts, even when we ultimately mess it up because yeah. we will. Yes. And to me, that's where there's comfort because I don't, when we think about shutting the door, I don't want to think about worshiping a God that is going to say, ha ha, you thought, you thought you were going to be welcome in, but yeah. you know, you messed this up and you messed that up too. So I'm going to slam the door. And I, and I don't believe that's the God that's revealed no. to us in scripture agree with you. either. And so, you know, I want to try and be careful to not fall into that, that tricky God. And I, and I think as I read about the other gods at the time, that's, that seems to be how those other gods operated. Very capricious. You know, dance for me in just the right way for just the right amount of time. Pray to me in just the right way. And then maybe I'll consider doing what you've asked. Right. But... But figure it out. I'm not going to tell you. It's like a middle school girl. I'm mad at you, but I'm not going to tell you why. <laughs> I hate that. Um, How's everything? Fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But not really. You know, I, I, I don't want to worship a God who plays games no. like that. And, and as I said, that's not the God revealed in Scripture. These, these bridesmaids knew what they were doing and made intentional choices to not do what was being asked of them. They thought that just by showing up, by being included in the party, that they were good, that they were, that they were going to be accepted. And they found out that that was not yeah. the case. And so they, they made the choice to focus on themselves, to focus, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think that's the thing we look at this and, and the, 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 the tension we might have is that it looks like such a, such an insignificant issue mm -hmm. um and but th it's a parable mm -hmm. you know and and we have to be careful not to push it you know jesus wanted to speak in in ways that would have been understandable but also could make his point mm -hmm. you know you know it's not literal that you know people who don't bring enough oil you know we yeah. never think of that as the interpretation and so we've got to realize it's a parable to make a, f a finer point through through a you know, a somewhat ridiculous story, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, a, you know, a, a non-realistic story. And, and, and Jesus even kind of breaks out of the parable. I mean, he flows right from it, um, out into it when he, when he says, you know, and so this, in this way, you know, some people aren't going to make it, you know, he, he breaks through the, the, the parable there, there at the end. And I'm scrolling through to see if I, uh, you know, even in the 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 parable of the king and the attendants, you know, uh, time hand and foot, uh, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, you know, there's no weeping and gnashing of teeth in, teeth in the parable there from two weeks ago. And and so even Jesus, you know, slips into and out of the actual parable itself, yeah. um, not wanting to push it too, too far. Mm -hmm. So, and like I said, if you read through it, it's, if you try to allegorize it too much, it, it's, it's painful. Um, and his, his, um, and his point at the end, therefore keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. You know, the whole point of this story isn't, you know, is 
to to be alert and to be reflective and to to make sure that the glory is going to the right spot it's not mm-hmm. commentary on on whether we've done it right or not yeah 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 so this is this was quite a you have anything else in your notes from this that that you were uh, uh hoping that i'd mention or not mention <laughs> no i think i think that's it I mean, I guess we're left as we think about application and how we work this out. You know, the phrase that I wrote down on my notes was you had one job. And <laughs> and when we think about what that job is of those those of us who are believers, it's it's the greatest commandment. It's the the great commission. It's the shorter catechism. You know, the chief end of humankind is to glorify God and enjoy him forever and and as a result of that, we make disciples and we teach other people and we love other people. And so when we do that, and when we do that with intention and a desire to strengthen our relationship with God, I think I think God honors that, yeah. even when we do it imperfectly and get all messed up in the process. I think at the end of that, that's when, when we will be called in to rest in God's grace and mm-hmm. And and here, hopefully, that one day, uh, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, and we, we yeah. get to enjoy God with with all those that we've we've brought with us, and yeah. and and um, yeah, yeah. Well, if you found this episode helpful, um, could you do us a favor and leave us a rating and review and share it so that others can discover it more easily? You know, we'd really appreciate that. The The whole point of what we do here is really to, to help you and to help others in their faith with Christ because it's difficult. Mm-hmm. We live in a complex world and we live uh, following a Savior who doesn't give us a checklist but calls us to follow him. And that's difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so please take time, rate, review, share. Uh, but until next time, we hope this uh, helps connect you, uh, helps you connect Sunday to the weekday. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right.